Get ready, golf lovers. The boys are teed up and ready to go. Backspin, thanks to Inside Golf. Welcome to another episode of Backspin, brought to you by Inside Golf Magazine, Australia's most read golfing publication. My name is Larry Canning, and as usual, sitting in my immediate right is my old mate, Gary Barter. Gaz, how are you, mate? GB. What's your current nickname, Gaz? Is it GB? What's the funniest nickname you've been called? I would say, when I was younger, they'd, they'd call me Blata. Oh. As in, oh, as Barter, in Barter but Blata. obviously okay. the Blata ball's gone. Yeah, yeah. So my nickname's gone. Urethane. It's all over. Yours doesn't work as well, does it? <laughs> it's it's yeah, like, yeah, I can't be called sort of high launch, low spin. <laughs> so um, that's <laughs> that's a bit tiresome. Uh, we actually have a Facebook page, Gary, our podcast, and I'm going to put on a uh, on this on this show when we finish the show. I'm going to get Andy to whack it on Facebook because I'd like to find out people's funny golfing nicknames, either one you've labelled someone with or or one you've got you, yourself. You'd, you'd hate to be called Shank. There's a there is a you know. Do you well, remember Alan Shank? <laughs> Yes, I do. Well, Peter McWinney tells this funny story. It's a quick one where he's he didn't know him and he's drawn him on the first tee. I, I don't remember what golf course it was, but it was like the second or third, third or fourth round. And they called Alan to the tee and, and it's a short par four apparently. And, and, he, and Mac has got his one iron out and he's learning against it. And they call Alan Shank to the tee, please, from Victoria. And Mac has said, I had to go back and put the one iron back in the bag and a three went out. I couldn't hit it after that. You're a lovely bloke. And, and hello, Alan, and I'm sure you're listening. Yeah, I'm going to put a dozen golf balls up. Gaz? It's nice. On our Facebook page. It's nice. I have to find a sponsor. Do you have it on you? Well, the Alan Balls, I've got a Titleist. Okay. But yeah. uh, a lot of good balls. Apparently they make it. They make a ball, don't they? Titleist. Yeah, a lot of great balls. I've, heard, I've read about it, yeah. Gaz, the Queensland PGA has just been completed, and it was won by Aaron Wilkin from Queensland, but he beat your Justin Warren in, it, yeah. in the playoff. Yeah. Now, it was one of the most riveting playoffs I've seen. It was a, the hardest par three I think I've seen. 150 metres of pure horror, evil Stephen King stuff, wasn't it? Oh, Stephen was it? King designed that green. Yeah, that was. it, remi- it actually reminded me of that 7ET at uh, the Honda. Yeah. Just where... Horrific. You've just got to nut up and hit a great shot. Who designs a hole like that? You must be going through a divorce or something. Over well, that mound in the middle of the green, that was... Um, yeah, that got that got was a hole. Oh, yeah, well, it was unplayable, Nelly, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Yeah. Anyway, so there was a par on it somewhere. <laughs> Someone had a par on it. Well, <laughs> no, Wilkin hold... He, he hold about a... 18-foot putt from just off the That's green. That's right. He made In two. regulation play. Like, he, no one was even talking about him. Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah he, got that, he got that number in the clubhouse. And then, then Waza, in regulation play, had five feet, which would have put him one in front, but he missed it. And then Jack, who was leading the tournament, he uh, Jack Carter, he was leading the tournament. He makes a double in the last. Mm, yeah. So... Yeah, that was a shame. Anyway, we're talking to Justin Warren after we finish here. We're going to ask him stuff, Gaz, like where do you play and, and what tours are you on and that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, wonderful talent, extraordinary talent. He's going to win some serious stuff. We know the Australian PGA is coming up very soon. In fact, days from when we're recording this podcast, uh, that'll be at Royal Queensland. So we're going to be talking also to Roger Davis, golfer, Australian golfing legend and chairman of the Australian PGA, about all things golf in Australia. Might even ask him about live. Not sure he's all that excited about living. Great player, Roger. Wonderful player. Roger is one who loves the thought of reeling back the ball, rolling back, they, they're calling it, which means making the golf ball that the PGO Tours players are playing go a little shorter mm. or a little bit harder to, to, to control. So 
We'll get his views on that. You've got a tip, guys. Golf course management. Might sound boring, but it's very important. <laughs> Sorry, mate. No. Yeah, no, it is, um, it's quite bloody boring. <laughs> no, because um, I was really bad at it. I'm really interested in what you've got to say. All I could manage was to wet my pants or throw up. I never actually shit my pants. <laughs> you've got good memories of your career. <laughs> yeah, oh, which is good. <laughs> I've been talking a little bit about Callaway Golf Clubs on air, but I've just got my brand new set, and I promise next week I'll talk about another brand of product, but uh, I just got my new Callaway Rogue Pro irons, and I've tried them. Very interesting. I'll have to make some changes. In fact, I'll probably have to go back out on the tour and and possibly win um, something quite major coming up with these irons. In reality, I'll have to make some yardage adjustments, meter adjustments, because they're going so far it's crazy. And you know my view on irons going too far, it worries me, Gas. So we'll talk about that. What's our spit going to be, Gas? You know what I'm hating at the moment? I'm hating the fact that Matt Jones isn't getting mentioned anywhere with Australian summer coming up. Two-time Australian Open champion, still defending champion at the Australian. Why are we listening? Why are we hearing that Matt Jones is coming out to play? And when they go down the live golf list of players, he doesn't get mentioned there either. No, yeah, the guy's I think, won yeah, so I think, much yeah, more I than d- some of those other guys. I just think Matt's always been pretty low profile. Just painfully shy, is he? he? No, he's not. I suppose with Matt, he's just been a really good, honest player for many years. And But I do, I do I'm always flummoxed that you'll see the Australian Open mm. banners come up and mm. you'll never see Matt. You drive into the golf course and you don't see Matt's photo or considering he has won two Australian Opens, one twice in America. There. Yeah, it's a bit rough, but yeah, probably because we know him, we're close to yeah, him, we're yeah, more passionate yeah. about it, but I do notice that. And maybe there's some other players we can think of, but by the time we get to the spit, we could think of some other players that are suffering the same mm. sort of um, under-acknowledgement. We'll be back, Gaz, with all that right after this. Well, welcome to the show, Justin. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Pleasure, mate. Bad luck. We're talking, this is the day after you just got beaten in a playoff for the Queensland PGA on that brutal par 3 18th hole. Oh <laughs> man, that looks like it's near unplayable. You felt like you had a, obviously a couple of chances with a couple of putts. Is there something that happened before that point where you could have locked down the victory before getting into the playoff? I mean, I certainly, you know, on the back nine had a had a few chances to, at some birdies and made a, a couple of soft bogeys. You know, I mean, I, I made a couple of really good putts and long putts on, uh, on a 11 and 12 for birdie, so I certainly didn't take all my chances, but I got a couple that you don't really expect to make. The front pin where it was and into the wind with just straight water carry, you just can't come up short, especially, you know, being tied to the lead, playing the last, so I just had to make sure I got it over the water and get on that kind of top left shelf and to where that pin was with that severe slope in the green, it was just almost impossible to, but I just had to put it down there and just try and make the next putt for three, which I unfortunately couldn't do. So, you know, certainly had my chances. Yeah, like I said, made a few big ones in that back nine stretch there. So, Is it gutting? Is it depressing? How do you take positives from that? Yeah, obviously it's it things, you know, it's, it's certainly not easy to lose that way. Obviously, you know, you, you know, you can sit here and in hindsight and say, you know, well, if I just didn't three-putt in regulation, you know, I would have finished five under and that would have mm. won it. But you also don't know, like, if I was at five under, you know, that Jack Carter that yep, was at yep. five under, he might have played a bit more club and hit it up on the green and he might have two-putted. Like, you just, you really just don't know. Mm. But, I mean, yeah, you know, obviously that first playoff hole, I had about a six-footer there to, to win it and just... Kind of a little bit of a misread, and then I definitely pushed it as well. You know, it's it's kind of, you know, I had my chance there and then obviously lost on the second playoff hole. So it's not easy to digest, but I guess, you know, like I said, I made on, a few on, big putts. On, on to this week. 
Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, all I can do is just, you know, I mean, halfway through the third round, there, I was four over par and, you yeah, know, really? coming almost yeah. dead last. Yeah, so, okay. I mean, I, yep. I clutched up on the back nine in the third round in the wind and had four birdies in my last six to get it back to one over for the tournament and then uh, jumped out of the blocks in the last round and, right. uh, you know, shot five under in some pretty pretty strong wins again. So, you know, I had I had eight under my last 24 holes. Oh, to get wow. To where I did. Is that so, right? I mean... Yeah, so it's just, you know, like I said, I can easily sit here and, you know, and go through the the shots that I left out there. But I also made a lot of birdies and some wins. So, I mean, it it all sorts itself out in a way. So, was it, you stayed with Aaron? Yeah, it was pretty last minute. I I didn't have any accommodation book and I was just kind of looking, might have been last Friday or whatever, and everything was just so expensive. You know, I'm looking at Airbnbs and there's like, you know, a bedroom in someone's house on a single bed for $1,000 for the week. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah, and so I'm like, you know, messaging around all the boys that I know that live in Brisbane, and I'm like, you know, where are you just staying at home this week? And they're all like, yeah, I've already got all my beds full. Like, no one had anything, and I was talking to Aaron about it, and he was like, yeah, I mean, he's like, I, I don't have a spare bed, but he's like, if you get desperate and you need something, I've got a, you know, pull out sofa mattress in the front living room. So is that, um, is that at Aaron's parents' place? Yeah, Aaron's parents' place, yeah. So so that would have been tough winning. If you had won the playoffs... Oh, you couldn't win you, that playoff yeah, then. You had no <laughs> choice. Well, you got to go back to the house and get all your gear. <laughs> no, that's what... No, the gear's on the front we were, lawn. Yeah. <laughs> we, were, uh, we were on the range hitting a couple of balls once we kind of thought, you know, okay, there could be a playoff here. And uh, we're down there and, you know, Aaron was like, you know... You, if you beat me, you're out of the house tonight. You haven't got a bed to sleep on. Would, would they have charged you a thousand? Do you think? <laughs> That's what I said. I said we'll get back to the house. All my luggage will be sitting outside the front door, and there'll be an invoice Open. for a thousand bucks. Justin, you've had a look this week yet? Have you had a chance to have a look at Royal Queensland yet? No, I'm actually uh, about to head out there very shortly. Just going to do a bit of chipping and putting. Going to take it pretty easy today. It was a pretty pretty grueling week last week, but mm. uh, played the PGA there earlier in the year. So right, right. Had a few looks at the course, obviously, at the start of this year, and then I'll play 18 holes out there tomorrow. I don't have a program on Wednesday, and so we can't get on the course. So I'll get out there tomorrow on uh, on Tuesday and, and play 18. And I've got a new spray wood and a new spray iron in the bag, so I kind of want to test it out there. I think it'll be a good little setup for me this week. So yeah, okay. I'm, uh, I'm playing good, and I'm pretty keen to get going. So how's your back after sleeping on the fold-out sofa? <laughs> I had some physio on, uh, on some Saturday. Physio. I had some dry needling in the in the neck and in the back, and you know it's, it works some wonders. Nothing's changed, guys. This is nineteen eighty eight. It's unbelievable. PGA Tour, isn't <laughs> so, it? Back when we were playing. So, was a uh, with you this year? What have you done this year? Like as far as um, playing overseas, playing pay for plays. Like what? Have, well, how's your year gone so far? I mean, overall, I have to say it's been a pretty bloody good year. I mean, America. You know, it was tough. Mini tours. It's you know, kind of, you're not really playing mini tours to make money. I mean, you know, if, if you can win some mini tour events, it's great. You know, you, your check can be twenty, twenty-five thousand. But you know, I mean, I finished I a handful of events there where I had, you know, some pretty decent finishes, shot some good scores. But you know, you're just not making money. But you know, in terms of the way I've been playing, the scores I've been shooting, you know, I've, I've been relatively happy for the past kind of six months. You know, I mean, I did a lot of Monday qualifiers. I played good in a lot of them and, and had success at the Barracuda there and getting through. So 
I didn't play that great when I was here in Australia in those first few months of the year, but I think going to America, it just made me a lot tougher, a bit more resilient, and just kind of, I just learned to just play golf a bit better over the last six months, and I, I came home with a lot of confidence, even though I didn't play that great at second stage of Q school and missing out, but I mean, overall, the past six months has been been pretty impressive. Like, I've, I've really, I feel like I've kind of stepped up a little bit, and yeah, you know, the last couple of weeks, back here playing in Australia at Moonalinks last week. It's a course I like. It's pretty important, you reckon, for young guys to get out of Australia overseas, even though it's going to be financially difficult. It's just better for them mentally. 100%. Right. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I spent seven months in America and travelling oh, around, wow. doing Mondays, doing mini tours, pay-to-plays, all that stuff. You know, I mean, yes, it's if you have the money uh, and you have the, the financial support from, from whoever it is, 100% worth doing. I mean, you know, you play those mini tour events, they're three rounders and, you know, you might get a, an easy golf course here and there where guys will shoot the lights out. But I mean, even, you know, there was one I played in the middle of Texas somewhere, which it was blowing, you know, 50 kilometers an hour every day on a, this tight little dinky golf course and guys are still shooting 20 under for four oh, rounds. So yeah, it's like, yeah. you know, it's just, if you want to learn where you stack up in the world of golf, just go and play six months of mini tours in America and you'll find out pretty quick. Would you consider Europe? If you were playing in Australia, there'd, oh, be, there'd be a chance that you'd, you'd be high enough on the order of America maybe to get a Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, at, at this point, like, I'll, I'll play anywhere. You know, whether it's America, Europe, Asia, mm-hmm. um, just playing another tour somewhere in the world would be great. You know, European tours, obviously good. I did the Q school there in 2019 before COVID and just missed getting the final stage by one shot. So, I mean, 100% like Europe would be on the table. If, you know, if, if I, even if I was to, you know, pick up a win in the next two weeks, mm, you know, mm. they're, they're big events, both co-sanctioned with, yep. uh, with the uh, now the DP World Tour. Hundred percent. Obviously, America for me is definitely the focus. I've uh, went to college over there, spent a lot of time there. I think my game's more suited to America, but I certainly wouldn't knock back a, a European tour card. So, if you played Asia, if you played a full season Asia, would the view of that be to get onto the Live Tour? Is that out of reach? Well, the way that it looks like the pathway that the Asian Tour is going down is that it's kind of set up to reward guys with spots on the Live Tour, but. I mean, like I said, the way I'm playing at the moment, I, I'm just—I would just be happy to play anywhere, whether it's mm-hmm. Asia, Europe, or America. You know, I certainly wouldn't say that I'm going to Asia so that I can try and get on live like Asia next year. You know, from what I hear, it sounds like it's going to be a pretty serious tour with some good tournaments mm-hmm. and some good prize money. So I would just be happy to to be over there playing some tournaments. You know, Travis Smith reasonably well. Yeah, Travis and I grew up playing a bit of amateur okay. golf together. I've played some pennant matches and stuff together and stuff. So. Have you talked uh, to him about the, the live stuff? Yeah, a little bit. He was uh, he was in Scottsdale for a few days while I was there a few months ago. So we we caught up for some dinner a couple of nights there and just kind of chatted. And you know, he had, he had a lot of good things to say about live. He said right. it was phenomenal week. Like you just get treated amazing. Tournament was so much fun. He loves it. So then he's had a bit of success in Asia as well. Yep, so yep. I certainly know that someone like Travis, he, he wants to get out there and live. And hearing his feedback from that too, it's, you know, it's good to hear. It's great uh, that you're in such good form, Justin. And then going into our two biggest events of the year, you'd have to be considered someone who's going to do some serious damage to, to some of the uh, more notables in the field. So good luck, mate. Yeah. Thank you very much. And, uh, and, and in the future, with Gary on your bag or Gary in your ear... Sounds a bit strange, Gary in your ear, didn't it, Gary? Yeah, I'm, for, I'm, for those for the listeners, that yeah. that Gary in your ear means that Gary is your golf coach, and and Gary is <laughs> Justin's golf coach. Just to clarify that. Thanks, Justin, and uh, and good luck next week, mate. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. See you, brother. Backspin. <laughs> 
Well, he's a legend of Australian golf. He's won tournaments all over the world. Gary, as you well know, he's a world ranking, highest world ranking of number six. He's now chairman of the Australian PGA. And every time I say that, I get nervous that I've paid my fees for the year. Every time I talk to Roger, I think, have I paid my fees? <laughs> Roger Davis, welcome to Backspin Dodge. It's good to be here, Larry. As I said, you're chairman of the Australian PGA. We're just about to get into the juicy part of our PGA Tour, Australasian PGA Tour for 2022-23, starting with the Australian PGA. I know there's a lot of work gone into this tournament, and you've been behind most of it. Um, can you tell us what's involved for a start, just getting the Australian PGA back on national TV and seeing it around the world? Well, actually, we've had a, a huge breakthrough this year that we've got all 17 tournaments, and I include the senior PGA in that, on TV. We haven't had that for I don't know how long, and uh, it's just great that our local players now can become like Newton, Shearer, Davis, Stanley, household names, because they'll be on TV for 17 weeks of the year. You left out Davis. No, he, he, Davis was in there. <laughs> <laughs> With an R in front. Not, not a C on the front. No, no. Left out Canningham Barter, actually, too, Dodger. <laughs> Are you, Gary? Good, thanks, Rog. How are you, mate? Not bad, Have hey, you been playing? I'm actually going to play at 11 o'clock today. Awesome. Any Legends Tour events? Or you... I played two, but no, I'm, I'm, they're hitting it. You know, the guys who are 50 are hitting it 50 past me, so no, I'm not competitive anymore. I'd rather leave a spot open for one of the younger guys. I spoke to one of your um, old competitors, Terry Gale, the other day, and he, oh, he, yeah. he was telling me, he said, I'm hitting nowhere. He said, I mean, I just, he, said, I he said, I'm still hitting it straight, but I, he said, I'm hitting nowhere. Well, in the old days, I used to have a, a driver, a three-wood, and start with one iron. It was either take the one iron or the three-wood out. Oh, my well, goodness. These days, I, I sort of go driver, three-wood, seven-wood, four-hybrid, five-hybrid. Have, you, five <laughs> hybrid. <laughs> have, you, have, you, got, have you got one of your old one-irons in the garage? Do you ever look at it again? <laughs> no. Oh, my was, goodness. The old ping eye too, one eye. It, oh. it was brilliant. <laughs> That's a lot of wood covers too, Dodgy. That, that, well, you got a golf, big golf bag because there's a lot of covers on all those things, isn't there? You, you, oh, do you there find the iron? You got to try and find your first iron <laughs> hidden underneath. They start at the bottom of the bag. <laughs> <I think. laughs> As I said, Dodge, the Australian PGA is about to begin. How do you see it unfolding? And it, it is obviously um, co-sanctioned with the DP World Tour, which is another big breakthrough, isn't it for us? It is. Uh, there's 32 guys coming out from. Uh, the European Tour, the DP World. This is the first time we've had all our players back, you know, because of COVID. And, you know, the sales, both corporate and public sales, have been fantastic. So we're looking forward to, a, you know, a really good week. And the course is in brilliant condition too. So uh, I think it's all a plus. We just hope it's good weather. They made a bit of a meal of it last year, Royal Queensland, didn't they, Dodge? Well, one guy in particular did. Jed, what was his final yes. score? Something Jed like 18 Morgan. or yeah, 19 or 20 under no, or something? He, yeah, he, mm. look, I, I spoke to him this year. He said he just played phenomenal. He said he just had a great week. One by 10, didn't it's he? His, obviously, it's his home course, but yeah, he just said he just... Played amazing. The quality of field this year, it was obviously a good field last year, mainly the, uh, the, the domestic players because it wasn't co-sanctioned, but this year being co-sanctioned, all the superstars in the field, the Cam Smiths and Leash. What are your thoughts on the scoring for this week, Rod? Well, the course is in such good condition. As long as they do their homework on the greens, and this is where I think Jed did so well last year, was that he knows all the, the pins you just don't go for, mm. you know, by being a local player. And I know it's easy for... You know, your caddy and yourself to sort of go out in the practice rounds and realise the ones you don't go for and the ones you do go for. Under pressure, you can make a little technical error and, you know, it costs you a silly bogey. And, you know, it's tough chipping 
mm. at Royal Queensland. You know, most of the greens are elevated, as you know, Larry and uh, Gary. The uh, grain for chipping in mm. Queensland mm. is quite severe, and you know, I mean, you can lay the sod over the golf ball <laughs> if you don't watch yourself. <laughs> it's, it is very sod laden, isn't it? Oh, it's, <laughs> a, it's, a, it's a, yeah, it's amazing. It's a um, lot of putting and chipping, yeah. like with three woods and stuff. Up, that's the design and that's the defence, isn't it, Roger? Against the the modern golf course, it is. It's defence. They've got. They've put a couple more tees in. The uh, seventh, the par five, it was destroyed last year. You know, the big hitters off the original tee, back tee, the bunkers weren't even in play. Mm. Well, now they've put a tee back in virtually in the river. I was going to say, it's Um, close, yeah. It it is. And, you know, that extra 30, 40 metres will mean that they can't carry the bunkers. So Mm. now they've Mm. got to go left or right and... If they go left or right, going to be going in, I would say, with three wood, and that's a fairly tough green to be going at with wood. It is interesting that the value of that golfing IQ, knowing how to play a golf course, knowing where to miss it, knowing where to hit it, knowing the topography of the greens. Jed, obviously a member up there. Matt Jones won two Australian Opens at the Australian Golf Club. Matt grew up at the Australian. And I was talking to Chucky Fowler when he was a young guy. He was telling me that he could never play Royal Melbourne. He said, I'd... I'd play amazing and shoot 72, and he said, I'd see Roger Davis shoot 67, 66. And he said, after four years, I asked him if I could have a practice round with him. You taught him how to play Royal Melbourne. And he said that from then on, he could play the same golf and shoot 68, shoot 69. So that value of getting ready for a golf course, and obviously golf pros will get there a couple of days before people that haven't played the course, and they'll do all their, the best preparation they could do, but there's that special 1% of knowing where to hit it, where not to hit it, the wind, where it moves, it, it's a big thing that's not really talked about a lot in golf, isn't it? It is. And, uh, I mean, I, I got one of the best tips ever off uh, Sir Nick Faldo. I had a practice round with him. I'm going to guess it was about 1978 at Lytham and maybe 79. Anyway, it was at Lytham, the year 71. And uh, every hole he went up to the back of the green and looked back down the fairway and then looked at the green. And I just said to him, what are you doing? He said, I'm <laughs> just working out where the pin's going to be and then where do I attack that pin from? You know, I just write it down in my book. And ever since I started doing that, that made golf course management so much easier. So you're looking at the hole from, from behind? Yes, from the back of the green. Wow. You look at where you think the pins are going to be, the four pins, and then you look back down the fairway. And the class example with uh, Chucky Fowler was the first hole at Royal Melbourne. And this catches a lot of people out. You know, the, the fairway's 60 yards wide. You know, you can't miss it. But the trick is, the fairway really is only 10 yards wide because, for instance, when they have the front left pin, most people that think left pin, you aim right and come in sort of across the angle. Whereas there's a little upslope at the front of the green at the first at Royal Melbourne. So you've actually got to hit it nearly in the rough on the left. So now, with the greens being firm, you can hit it into that little upslope and you can get it near the flag. Whereas if you go right, you're going across the slope and you'll finish up the back of the green and now it's hard to two-putt. When you go to the back of the green, you can actually see all those things on the green. And that's how, well, because, you know, the, the tournament directors, uh, the rules officials, they, they understand which is a really tough pin and they'll just walk up to the back because I've seen them do it and they go, oh, there's one. There's another one. And they work it out and, and off they go. Dodge, you've done well to get a tip out of Sir Nick Fowler. Getting anything out of Sir Nick is, is something of a feat, isn't it? From what yeah. I've heard. I mean, 
Well, Pam, uh, my ex, used to get on really well with uh, his first wife. Right. Um, so we used to actually get a barbecue with him. I always got on quite well with him, even though at the time, and playing golf, he was an introvert, and I don't know what happened uh, when he got his contract with the television because he became an extrovert and a, a really good commentator. <laughs> he was. He is. Well, he was. He wasn't. He, yeah. What's a barbecue like with him? Does he? Does he loosen up? No problems. Is he he's, funny? He's, he's a bit quiet. No, his jokes always fail. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> he, he couldn't tell a joke. Did he show you how to cook a steak, or were you better at uh, that? No, I took over there. <laughs> oh, you'd have to Australians. Only, only, only Australians know how to cook a steak on a barbie, surely. <laughs> so the Australian Open, Roger, let's, let's go to that. Boys and girls in the same field. How did this come about, and uh, do, how do you see it panning out? Uh, it could be a logistical nightmare. Yeah, I, 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 that's what I wanted to hear, actually, because I'm wondering how the hell it can, it can all well, tie together. I mean, I know there's a lot of thought gone into it, but wow. I know it's summer. When you make the cuts, both cuts, and everyone plays on the one course on the weekend, mm. if you have any sort of delay, you're in all sorts mm. of trouble, at mm. least when you've made the cut in the men's tournament, the field's cut in half, yep. and if there's delays, you've got a few, quite a few hours up your sleeve. They won't have any up their sleeve, mm. but you know. The Australian Open, Gary, in, uh, when was it, Dodge, 87? I was in that. Royal Melbourne. Yeah. When it's, they had the incorrect yeah. bin. Sandy yeah. Lyle and Shark walked off, and then we all yeah. sort of followed. So is that less like, is that probably just the way course prepared now? Oh, Dodger, sorry, sorry, guys, sorry. Yep. You shot you, you shot the best. That, that's, that story involves you, doesn't it? Because didn't it you does. shoot the best? What did you shoot that day? I was I was six under after four, oh. and, the, and the day was cancelled. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, no. Mm. Wow. <laughs> you couldn't do or you could, but Jesus, no one could do that that day. It was it was crazy. You can, you can laugh about it now, but I bet you weren't happy. Oh, but yeah, you wouldn't have been happy back then, mate. How was the locker no. room? How was the locker, in fact? Was it dented it slightly, or does it need Just panel beating? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were wooden lockers, luckily. <laughs> Easily to replace. I'm um, sorry, I've interrupted, Gary. Sorry, mate. You were um, no, no. I, I, sp- I, su- I suppose. I suppose just the just with all the information we've got now with weather, with uh, you know, obviously smarter setups, greenkeepers being more aware. I suppose that's less likely to happen. Yes, and uh, like I think it was the third green of Victoria Golf Club. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And they just you know lifted the mowers a little bit. Instead of having a 13, they had it at sort of 11 and a half, mm. and then it was okay. I think they've but, done the same thing at the Australian and, and, and the Lakes, haven't they, since they've realised that some of the pins can be crazy and, and cut yeah. the greens at like 10 or 11 or something instead of... Yeah, the, I think the, the Lakes... The lakes that was the criticism of the Lakes, uh, the last last Open there, or the last couple of big events there, that the greens were quite slow, but they've they've got to be with the shape on those greens. Mm, yeah. There are seven greens that if you get a southerly buster come through, there are seven greens at the lakes, the balls will blow off. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they had to have them at about nine on the stint metre and for an Australian Open, that's uh, yeah. very slow. Yep. Now, uh, we have to talk about Live Golf, Roger, not to... Um, obviously, there's a Live Golf tournament um, now been announced to being in Adelaide ne- next year, next April. Yep. Um, yeah. How do you think it'll impact um, the Australian PGA Tour, or if at all? I don't think it. Well, you know, we uh, it's an undisclosed amount that the South Australian government has spent to have the Live Tournament in Australia. But we also had a, 
a proposal into them for an Australian tour tournament, but they went with Liv. Now, I think they'll get very good crowds. It doesn't really affect me. You know, my job, you know, I've got to look after the sort of 2,700 members of the PGA, of which there's sort of 280 TPC players, and my job really is to build up pathways, you know, onto the other three big tours. You know, the DP World, the Japanese Tour and the Corn Ferry to the PGA Tour. Lives for the wealthy golfers that are just raking in a truckload more money. You know, I don't think most of the guys that are with Live could uh, spend what they've got. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's a bit of a what I call a speed bump in the world of golf, but I'm sure it'll get sorted. Do you see a time when there will become some kind of amalgamation or some kind of uh, peace talks? I'm not sure if there'll be too many peace talks with Greg at the helm, but we have heard that Greg will be doing something else with Liv and not be the CEO. We've heard that one of the ex-bosses of TaylorMade looks as though he could be. And I'd say the day that happens, I would think that talks will start. Just before you go Rog, we've had this discussion before about the ball going too far, you have a a strong opinion on it. Given our conversation about how the golf courses are changing to to sort of compensate for how far the ball goes, you still feel it should be wound back? Either wound back or go back to the 1984 dimple pattern which all the dimples were the same size, same depth and under 300 on a golf ball because Titleist came out with a golf ball called the 384 and that was the first time the um, RNA and the USGA had approved a golf ball with more than 300 dimples. It had 384 dimples. Then all of a sudden they went slightly bigger and slightly smaller and then different depths. Now we've got the ball today that doesn't spin. You've got a club that doesn't spin either now that the manufacturers are making. Yeah, the drivers, yeah. So you can go at it as hard as you like, especially pros that supposedly swing the same all the time, and they're getting a huge advantage, whereas the normal player, like, you know, I see some of the footballers, for instance, they hit it a country mile, but most of the time it's out of bounds or lost ball. (laughs) You know, the distance that they're getting helps, say, in an Ambrose competition on a few holes, but all up, you know, Titleists love them because, you know, they're going through heaps of golf balls. Mm, Interesting. They've got to do something because all the... All the top golf courses throughout the world are landlocked. Mm. And they just can't keep making them longer. It's actually less enjoyable. Just the general golfing community, forget about the pros. I was at Doral a few weeks ago and I was saying to Larry, there was four par threes, like 254. Oh, what? <laughs> this is yards, but still yeah. 254, <laughs> 238, 242, yeah. like 202. You're kidding? Is that right? So... Admittedly, there's different tees you can go and play, mm, but mm. generally speaking now, these a lot of the modern courses, the par threes are obscenely long. Just that in general enjoyment of people coming into golf, mm. it's sort of taking away that artistic skill element. And the point you made about the ball and the club, you can hit a lot straighter as well, like yeah, the dispersion. Yeah, yeah. Blokes like so Roger, when, you, when, you, you've probably played with him back in, back in the day. Oh, I didn't. I never like played with numbers. Roger, but I, I, I well, saw he can him play. Hit, he could hit it, and obviously with, was, a, with a left to right, yeah. with a fade, with that bloody rubber golf ball that we use. It was coming up, made from a tree. Well, the thing, yeah, but the he th- could flatten it. I asked him a few times yeah. how you did it, and he. I don't think you really knew dodge, did you? I mean, you knew how to flatten it well, out. He always, he to, always yeah, he always hammered a fade. The thing I remember with Roger was, and Roger may or may not remember this, but it was 1987, and it was a New South Wales Open, and Roger was playing with Aussie Moore, who at the time. 
hit at miles. Yeah. And Rogers there on the ninth tee into a very strong breeze. And Aussie hit a great drive, but obviously a bit spinny. Didn't didn't look that high because mm-hmm. Aussie didn't hit it high. And Roger hit it probably 30 yards past him yeah, yeah. into the breeze. And I, I thought to myself, I thought, that's why he's good. Obviously, he was a great player in Europe. Obviously, one of our great Australian players. But that sort of... But that, that you, you controlled the spin back then, even with that ballada ball. That quality's gone now, isn't it? Oh, I mean, yeah. the, the, the Roger Davis well, low yeah, flat no, fade. Like I'm telling like you, we can hit. Everyone can hit that now. Well, we use blades. We use ballada balls. Obviously, we use wooden woods. And the skill level. There's so many players now that have become good players on the back of the equipment helping. Yeah, absolutely. Them. Yeah, because the depth of the fields now. You could look back fields in the day, and you could say, well, there wasn't yeah, as many golfers, yeah, but yeah. still. There were still many, many golfers around the world, but the quality players, yeah, the quality ball strikers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but now, yeah. now, now the putting has got a lot better than yeah, back in the day yeah. as well, with all the technology and all the information on putting. But the really great ball strikers don't stand out as much. No, they don't. No. Well, I agree there. Mm. See, so, we used to, in different winds and all this sort of stuff, you had to fiddle the ball because, mm-hmm. you know, there was a lot of spin. You know, if you, if you hit up shooters, for instance, you're in all sorts yep, of trouble. Yep. And it was so easy to do that with Ballada golf balls. Whereas these days, I don't think you can hit an up shooter. God knows I've tried. <laughs> 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 I've got this new yeah. set of clubs I'm going to talk about later in the show that just you don't have to do anything. You don't have to, hit, mm. you don't have to knock it down. Or but I, I, do, I, do it. Th- I, do think, I do think something has to happen. Because, yep. like, I think Jack Nicholas spoke at uh, the Australian Golf Club when, when he redesigned um, the golf course eight or nine, ten years ago, or whatever it was, and um, he spoke at a dinner, and he, he was asked about the golf ball. And as you know, Jack's very much about the golf ball. He was saying that you go to these famous courses like Marion or Shinnecock, or any of the great famous courses for US Opens, and the, they have to go there and try and buy back land yeah, yeah. off surrounding mm. properties to lengthen these courses because the... These famous, very, very famous golf courses with these young guys that are playing on the PJ Tour, they're just take, taking the ball over corners that didn't even exist, over bunkers that, yep. that they couldn't before. So that part of it is disappointing. One of the great stories that Nicholas was caught out on was the 17th hole at his golf course. And he'd just uh, come into the commentary box, so he hadn't seen the hole being played. And the commentator, whoever it was at the time, said, well, Jack, what, you, you made some changes at 17. Explain what you've done. And so Jack gets up there and he says, oh, yes. He said, there is no way they'll carry the bunker on the left-hand side <laughs> oh, now. No. I've taken the tee back and I've taken the bunker forward, right? And the first guy gets on the tee, which was a, one of the long hitters. Oh, it's about four or five years ago now. Anyway, he got up there and he hit driver straight over the bunker. <laughs> and Jack has just gone, well, I can't believe that. Stephen <laughs> <laughs> Jack can get it wrong. <laughs> Roger, mate, thank you so much for being part of the show. And thank you for being our chairman, the PJ chairman. Gary and I will go straight to our bank accounts and make sure we've paid our fees before we, I'm, I'm <laughs> before we finish the <laughs> show. I'm always getting a notice. Yeah, I'm going to get a notice too, I'm sure. Thanks, Roger Davis. Thank you, mate. No yeah, problem. See you, mate. Catch up. Well, I tried my new Rogue Pro Callaway irons the other day. Just arrived. Straight out of the box. Straight up into the practice range. Closed the shop. Put my phone number on the door in case someone wanted to play golf. They had to ring me on the... <laughs> no one did. Unbelievable club. So easy to hit, but they go so far. Mm. You know, and it's just... 
I have, oh, I have to get used to it. I'll tell you, the members of the Aussie like them. Do they? Yeah, Callaway yeah. Road. The, the Rogue yeah. Pro, is. it's actually a, it's not a forged club. They have the Apex irons, which are forged. These aren't forged, but I don't I don't notice that much difference. I mean, you, you, you've you used pings when we were playing. I remember you were yeah, always back in the, yeah. They were always cast, and they yeah. always felt nice and soft. So I don't know whether it's a massive thing now, forgings and the feel and the softness. But And I didn't really notice much of a difference in the... In the in that that it's a oh this is much harder, but I did feel a spring. I did mm. feel a ball just coming off the club, which is great when you miss hit it. Um, when I got one out of the centre, it went a little further, which just I'll have to get used to it. Uh, and also, I was it was in pretty strong wind I was hitting into, and I and I as usual tried to have a bit of a fiddle and a draw and a fade and a low and high one, and I just kept hitting the same bloody shot, which um which has been a bit of a I guess a dream for most players. But when you're as old as me and have been, and you, well, not quite mm. as old as me, but you look it. Yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> you've 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 based your game on th- massaging the golf ball, and a bit like Roger was saying, you've worked a way to to hit all different types of shots, so think, you can control th- how far it's going to go into but, the wind and stuff. But I think I, I think what probably you and I got to appreciate too is that I look at the modern clubs, and it, whether it's Callaway or TaylorMade or Titleist, especially with those. Um, those more forgiving irons, the lofts aren't the lofts that we were using. No, they're not. No, de- definitely. See, I'm telling you, it's it's crazy. It's it could be up to four degrees yeah, different. Yeah. That's what I've got to get. Like used I, to. I, yeah, like you you could. I I had a member the other day, and there is a point of diminishing returns where once you get down to the five iron, it's seriously almost like the same loft of the three iron yeah, we, we yeah, were using. Yeah. So when you're when you're going out there and you're thinking, Gee, this is a seven iron. Um, it's got number seven on it. Yeah, but it, it, it seriously, I, have should to, have I really haven't got used to that. You're right. Yeah, and, and that's that's something that then I thought of lofting them. I've thought of putting a bit more no. loft on it, but it doesn't work because they then they launch too the high. C- all the CAGs. It's look. You imagine the technology that's put into this gear. Mm-hmm. Like it's amazing the R and D that they're that they're putting into to making these modern golf clubs. And obviously, you and I. Even though we've been playing long enough now with the so-called modern ball, the balls now are a lot, lot harder. Yeah, spin less. Coming off, it's like it's like you're hitting a, a piece of ice it off your face, <laughs> your club. It just <laughs> so, does. It, you so, can you can because we've both been around golf courses in in the last you know ten or twenty years, not playing but yeah. commentating and yeah. your case coaching. So I've seen it all. I've seen the new golfer, the modern day golfer. I fully appreciate and understand how they play. They they get a yardage, guys, and if it's a wind, their caddy gives converts that to a different yardage. Then they hit the shot with whatever club is the adjusted mm. yardage. There's no just move it back in your stance and hold it up or cut. There's none of that. And and I really should have realised when I got this new set of clubs that that was going to be the case. That they were just going to go straight. Um, and, and I can and long, I can I can hit a little bit and draw and, and 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 high <laughs> and further, um, and it's just it, I can see how easier the game is with these clubs. It's just it's just weird when you're my age to to make that conversion. These are a players' club. They're, Callaway uh, promote them as their fastest players' irons, and I have no doubt that they are. The heads aren't big, guys. You put them down, a beautiful looking golf stick, mm. but you, they're hollow, and which is uh, you know, pretty contemporary. I mean, everyone's doing that now, and um, it just looks like a beautiful blade. I've compared it to my old old blades, and they are obviously bigger. You don't think they are, but when you put a little one, you know, your 1985 bloody Max Fly Australian blade next to it, it definitely is. Oh yeah, it definitely is different. Um, but yeah, look, if uh, if you're um, 
ready for the new game if you're not my age. Well, if you're, if you're my age and you just want to hit the ball further and, and straighter, which look, it, this this seems like a ridiculous thing for me to be saying, but I think you understand because you've taught me. And, and whenever you've given me a something to work on, to hit the ball further, I, I, I suddenly start... You know, farting in my own pants. Yeah, because I, I'd say you. I'd say you're one of the very, very few. As people. opposed to farting I've, in someone I've, else's pants. I've, I've, I've ever taught that you get scared when they hit the ball further. <laughs> Actually, get scared. I do yeah. get frightened. <laughs> you know, I get a little so, shaky and yeah, yeah. Because voice I'm, goes a little bit higher. My like my whole world is people wanting to hit is the that ball over further. the back. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and yeah, and it's a silly thing, listeners. The Callaway Rogue Pro Iron, please try them. Go back a club. Make sure there's no one behind the green waiting for the next speed when you hit them because they go a long way, but they're easy to hit. Thanks, guys, for that. Thank you, mate. Thanks to Inside Golf. This is Backspin. Guys, um, your tip, and it's about course management, mate. Yeah, look, course management people would find a tip pretty boring on course management, but it's really, really one of the great skills to link your score mm-hmm. or to put a better score on your card. And I spend many hours coaching golf during the week and often taking people out on the golf course and talking about management and where to put your ball, where's the best part of the fairway to lay up, where's your best access to that pin. And the normal thing someone will say to me, oh, that, that, that's all right for a better player because they know where they're hitting the ball. Mm, mm. Well, they actually don't. I think even the stats say the best players in the world their average proximity to the hole with a seven iron is about 33, 34 feet. Is that right? So – Look, even 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 the the better players are still navigating their way through um, an area to hit the ball, whether that's on the tee, whether that's to the green. But the biggest thing that for all levels of players, we all, all have our own game. Like like someone might cut the ball, someone might hook the ball, and that's that's their that's their consistent shot. You still should be able to look at the hole, and I think uh, Tiger Woods he was famous for saying that he he'd always look at the hole backwards. So he, he'd, he'd look from the green back to the, the tee and he'd work out what's the best way for me to navigate my way to get to that, to get that ball to the hole. So I would, I would say that wind is a huge factor. It's amazing how many times I go out on the golf course and Bushnell's come out. I've got 151 to the pin mm-hmm. and I'll say, well, how far have you got to get over that front bunker? And, and the Bushnells will come back out again and they'll say, I've got 132 to get over the bunker. And they'll go, well, that's, I say, so what, what club's that for you? Because you want to land this about 10 or 15 feet mm, short of the, mm. the pin. You're not, so when you see 150, you're not thinking, well, 150 is my normal seven iron. Mm. I'll hit 150. You, you, you want to hit something, you know, one, 142, 143. And then they'll say, well, that, that for me would be my, maybe a strong eight iron or a soft seven. I go, well, what about the three club wind we've got? Mm, and they'll go, mm. oh, Okay, I said. So that's it's actually like a five iron, and they'll look at me like in disbelief. Yeah, as yeah, in, yeah, yeah. Oh, but I was here last Wednesday, and I hit a. Yeah, I said, of yeah, but it's so. So I think that when we're playing golf, we've obviously got that emotional attachment, and we're probably more worried about hitting, hitting our shot. But to take into consideration the wind, the pin might be on the front right. And there's a bunker on the front right. Just to just to go left, like left of mm. the green or left side of the green, then you've got an easier chip. And one of my one of my favourite conversations was with Craig Parry about four or five years ago. I'm in, in the Niblick Bar at the Aussie, just having a sandwich, and I'm with Paz. 
and, I, and I'm always asking questions, um, not that I'm trying to interview them. I've known Paz since I was 18 years of age, so I've, I've known him for a long time. I said, look, Paz, just to, just, just to help me, like with these kids that I'm teaching and players that want to end up you know, doing what you've done, if you were leading a tournament and, and you've won 23 times around the world, if you were leading a tournament going into the last day, what's your, what's your mindset going into the last day? And he said, look, I always would say to my caddy that every, every time today I just want to aim to the middle of the green, irrespective of the pin, and never, never give me a yardage that's past the pin. So he said that my philosophy was always go to the middle of the green, and if I pulled it, I'd have a long putt, and if the pin was on the right and I pushed it, I'd have a, I'd have a short yeah, putt. Yep, yep. And if I was short of pin high, I never wanted to be pin high. If I was short of pin high, I missed the green, I'd have a quite an easy chip. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't whether it? Whether that was from the right or the left, because that would give me the best access. He said, if mm. you're if you're pin high, long and pin high, and you miss the green, usually coming back down yeah, the green. Dead. And he said, look. That theory may not work in the modern game, and he's talking about winning big championships. Mm. But, but he said the reality is when you're playing a tournament and you're getting to nine holes to play, six holes to play, there's usually only two or three guys in it. Mm. Mm. And I, I always felt that I'd never lose a tournament. And if someone birdied the last four yeah, holes, okay. you know, good on them. Yeah. So and and look, the 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 levels of course management. Um, and merely, I'm I'm back to back to Craig and talking about a better player. When um, when Jack redesigned the Australian, I went out with Paz, and we were just driving around in a buggy, and we got on the second tee, and I said to I said to Paz, "Gee, this this is a tough hole," and he said, um, "Oh, no, I don't think it is." He said, "I, I don't think it's too hard a hole," and um, I said, "Oh, mate, it's a good it's a good like four iron into a small green," and he said, "Yeah," but he said, "What's what's good about this hole?" He said, "If you look at the pine trees up on the left," and I had a look up at the pine trees. He said, as long as you keep the ball below those, yeah, okay. you're never going to get the, the wind's not going to hit the ball. And like I've been at the Australian since I was 18, I never even thought of that yeah, once yeah, in my life. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, so you've got different levels of course management and their, their golfing IQ is so good. And I think even for all levels of players, know your game, know what your limitations are. Don't try and do something that you shouldn't do. If you've got a, if you've got a, a shot from... 10 yards short of the green and you want to putt the ball because you're not you, you're worried about mm, your chipping mm. just putt the ball or use a hybrid mm. it's not an ego thing because when you put your card in and you put your score in no one asks you how you did it it's just what your score there's is there's a lure there though yeah, isn't there there's there a is. carrot always dangling there, is, there. there, is, there flip is. it up with your lob wedge and shit and tell your mates and- but I remember I remember Ty- Tiger said that you know there's 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 pretty much three types of players there's Players that play checkers and players that play chess, and there's like grand, a grandmaster. And Tiger said he always felt that mentally he wouldn't make a mistake on how to plan out his day or plan out his round. Mm. Um, yeah, when but, you when you hear someone like Tiger aiming away from a flag, it really yeah, it's a red flag, isn't it? And then I think there's it's four. A, I think there's four types of players. Some play tiddlywinks. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that's I, it, yeah, yeah. So I think that I think that you know that. That, Which is tough in the wind because those things are light; they can fly anywhere. <laughs> yeah, but I, control but them. I just think it's so undervalued. And and yeah. and I I spend most of my time on the range giving golf tuition, error correction. Yeah, you're doing this with your swing. Let's look at the video. Yeah, your right arm's here. Top face is too open. 
and that that's that's obviously important stuff. But if someone said to me, "I'm off a 15 handicap. I want to get down to nine, I would take them on the golf course mm, mm. and show them how to play golf. And I think the great thing about that, especially for uh, members of golf clubs, and you've got your golf pro there, who's your teaching pro, they they will have have a very good golfing IQ to help you get the best out of whatever game you're in, yep. your game yep. you've got. Yep. And that's something you can't learn on the internet, something you can't learn in a golf magazine. So I think that that my my advice definitely would be to to take your pro and say, can you come out and watch me play four or five holes? Mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. I think you'll get a lot out of it. As soon as you see someone, you're playing in a pro-am, you see someone teed up right in the middle of the tee, bang, it's just a, it's a, it, it's really obvious to me before he even hits that ball, or she, yep. that they don't have a plan. They don't, they don't know where they're going to aim, they're going to aim down the centre and it's going to slice 10 metres and they're going to lose yeah, it. Yeah, and, and they always say to me, oh, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you know where the ball's going. I, all, I, all I want to do is hit down the fairway and you say, well, that's all I want to do too. Yeah. But so how many times do you slice the ball around? Or every time. So you do know where it's going to go. Yeah, okay. exactly. Well, see up on the right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Okay, guys, uh, our spit of the week. We've already addressed it, really. Matt Jones does not get enough QTOS when he comes to Australia. It's mm. ridiculous. Yeah. I want to see his photo on every banner. I want to see his photo on every flag. Well, we're, we're, obviously, we're obviously close to Matt, but it is, it is I've, I've noticed that the last few times. Like, he's won t- two Opens. Uh, he's our defending champion. He's won in America. He's played in America since 2004, 2005. I think he goes under the radar. He's not, not, not sort of a big guy for publicity. He has spent a lot of time in the States. Maybe we forget about him a bit. But, yeah, whether it's Scotty, Cam Smith, Leishman, John Sendon, Greg Chalmers, Allenby, Appleby, back in the day. Mm. Um, yeah, Matt, Matt, definitely for some reason, uh, Maybe it needs to be a publicist, Larry. Yeah, yes, let's yeah. go. Yep, <laughs> yep, I know, just the black. Yeah, yep. exactly. So, um, but yeah, that, it, it is crazy. It's it's disappointing. Like, you look at the banners and you look at the players, but, but obviously we know him. We're more passionate mm. about it, but it's worth a spit. That's something Telling that you. should go on our, on our Facebook page as well, guys, for the listeners. If you, if you know of a player that you feel is under-acknowledged, and I've just made that word up, Yep. That term up, um, yep. yeah. Give us a. He might be a dozen. Oh, we have, might have to split that dozen ball, <laughs> balls up into two sleeves each. Guys, <laughs> um, the Australian PGA Tour, as we've said a couple of times on the show already, is now to the pointy end. The Australian PGA, Australian Open coming up. Who are you picking to win? Let's go with the Australian PGA first. Yeah, you go first. I'm going to go Cam Smith. Wow. I'm, I think the Jeez, golf. The golf pluck that name from. I think the golf course um, is perfect. For At him. the risk of picking the person that everyone's trying to beat, goes. But that's all right. You can go, Cam Smith. Well, yeah. you could go. You could go for a roughie too, like Jed Morgan. It's his home course. He won last year. Okay, so have a roughie. Okay, so yeah. Cam Smith and, and yeah, and I think Jed, Jed. Jed, you know, he's got those insights, like the just the greens, yeah, the yeah. the wind, the the club selection, and he played great, Jed, the last few events. Interesting, that conversation with Roger about mm. that and, and the places, the, 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 it's the sort of golf course where there'll be a lot of people aiming away from flags, getting yep. them in the right parts. Mm. And, and it's, a, it's one case, it, it's one point knowing that you can't aim at a flag, but the person that's, that's practised from all those places where they will be putting from is the guy that that's mm. definitely has an advantage and that's got to be Jed. And he's, he's had a big year too. He's, 
He's learned a lot this year, hasn't he? Look, he start he started off rough at live, but gee, he's just a kid. Mm. And um, when I say he started off rough, he, he you know he's playing in a quality field. Well, he got thrown straight into live, didn't he? Well, he threw himself in, I suppose, but yeah, but massive the, company. His be- last four events, um, yeah. shot some great scores. He had a couple of good finishes, so um, he definitely got more comfortable. He he played well, mm. yeah. So he's a good player. I'm going with. Um, I'm glad you asked. I'm going with Leash, <laughs> Leash to win, and uh, I don't know whether you can call Minwoo Lee or Ruffy, but I'm, I'm. No, you probably can't. But I'm going to go Minwoo. Okay, well, yeah, he's, maybe a player. He's, yeah, well, he played well last year. Yes, yes, he did. he did. Yeah, yes. He did. Yeah, he's learning. He's um, he's a work, still a work in progress. He's incredible talent, as you yeah. as you would know more than most. Uh, Australian Open. I'm going to go. I reckon Matt. Another Ruffy. Yeah, I reckon Matt. I reckon Matt Jones is he playing? Because I haven't heard anything about. No, him. He, fl- he flies in. On, he flies in on <laughs> Sunday morning. <laughs> didn't know whether he was in the field or not. Because yeah. no one's talked about him. Yeah. Either. So he's um, and I'm going to go with Leash. Ah, close runner-up. Okay. Yeah. yeah I was going to. And, oh. and the girls, I'll go. Oh yes, of course. Yes, I'll go the girls. I'll go Steph Kurioku. Oh, of course you do. Yes, yes, of course. Yeah, I reckon massive talent. Yeah, I reckon uh, no one's been talking about her. No. But those courses will suit her down to the ground. Yeah, St. Michael's loves the loves the wind. Mm. Wind kicks up. Yeah, um, I'm going. To, oh, I was going to go Leash again, but I, I, can he win both? He might be a little tired by then. I'm going to go Lucas Herbert because he learnt to play in Victoria. He knows the golf courses. He knows the sandbelt courses better than anyone. Grew up on them. Yep, and he's a good player. And too. he's the new version of a sandbelt player. Yep. He just can hit it over things that people can't. And he's learnt how to pitch. And but he's always a little steep. Steep with his wedges, Gaz, but I think he's he's learning how to shallow it out and control his distances. Oh, not a rough. I'm going to go Leash runner up. I think Leash will feature him both. I think he's ready. He's primed. He's not as exhausted as those guys usually are this time of the year. Yep. But I'm going to go. Yeah, he's going to be close. Yeah, Lucas Herbert, which is a bit in reverse of what most people would think. But yeah, Lucas and yeah, with Leash. Yep, there it is. So what, get your money on those. What about listeners. what about the girls? Oh, and Hannah Green. Hannah Green. Wow, they didn't take too long to think. No, about no, that. straight up, uh, because mainly, mainly because Gary um, Minji, who would be normally be favourite, has had a massive year, and she will be tired. She mm. will be exhausted. Meeting that US Open, that was just extraordinary, and that must have taken a lot out. And then he nearly could have easily won the British Open not long after. So um, she's had a massive year. Hannah, on the other hand, has been a little quieter. Still featuring when she, in in big tournaments, and she always will because she's as tough as they come. But I see her um, in the right frame of mind, and uh, obviously the, a good player that loves that sort of sandbelt course. Hannah Green, there and, it is. And Hannah, Hannah won the um, the other. She was the first female to win the male yes. and female event uh, on the on the Murray at, at Cobram. Yeah, so um, I think she's a good choice. Yep. Okay. Get your money on. Do you bet? You know what? I don't. I've, I'm just not good at it. I've got a sports bet account. Yeah, I'm just not good at it. I, no, Ladbrokes. I'm sorry, Ladbrokes. Yeah, like I'm um, I'm excellent at not getting the winner. Yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you think of them or, and, and, and don't back them? Do you, do you do that? Oh, you're good at not getting it. Okay. I'm very good at yeah, picking them and not backing them. But, uh, yeah, yeah. What about you, Andy? You're a punter? Okay, it's a little a poker machine, a little quiet word from our producer. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, Andy. And thank you, listeners. We'll be back soon, guys, with our next Backspin podcast.